Hello again, church family. Uh, this is Esther chapter 4, part 2. And we're going to go about this, uh, how to apply this part. If you recall, chapter 4, this is where uh, Esther finds out uh, that Haman, uh, about Haman's plot. Uh, Haman was going to destroy all the Jews, and Mordecai was uh, broken and sad, and she, he asked the queen to do something about it. And the queen uh, said that she could only do so much in order for uh, you know, just basically to do whatever she can in order to preserve the people there. Uh, and we, as we go through this, I do want to highlight just some of the aspect of people and God, the way the people are and the way that who God is. Um, I, and I do want us to remember that this is a, a real uh, event that happened. These are real people, real situation, and that the outcome of these this was real. Like this is not just some story or, or, or fiction that we um, that we read. But those are these are these. This happened in history. Um, yet this is a book that speaks in almost like in extremes. Uh, you have you have uh, man's responsibility and God's sovereignty. Uh, and how do we harmonize these two? Because oftentimes in terms of trials, we overemphasize our own importance and our own significance and our own abilities, and we downplay the sovereignty of God. And also sometimes the opposite extreme is true, that we uh, that we say, oh, God is sovereign, so I don't need to do anything. Uh, and that's also not true. You know, the Bible tells us that it's both. But to trust in the Lord at the same time, live out our lives faithfully, um, so how do the how, how do we harmonize these two extremes? Uh, man's action and God's uh, sovereign hand. Well, they just do. Um, there are different commentaries that talk that talk about this book as uh, they seem to have like a God-shaped hole in this book. And I've very stressed uh, over um, the last several weeks that uh, that God is sovereign, uh, even though He is not present, or at least what He or He seems like He's not present. Uh, and we see that here, and it's, and it's evident in the lives of the characters that God is definitely not present in their own life, but God is present in the actions, through, through their actions, which is going to be our first um, outline or uh, applicational point. We're going to see man's action versus God's results, or maybe another way, providence versus, versus sovereignty. And I see this in, the, in this chapter, in verse 3 of chapter 4. <laughs> You recall this is after when uh, Esther or Mordecai gets the the news, and what he does is that he, he he's basically just weeping in the in the uh, in the in public, and not just him, but the Jews as well. They were all all of them were uh, fasting, weeping, and wailing. And you recall that also said that one of the things that they did not do is pray. And we see that even at the end when Esther um, tells uh, Mordecai like this is what all the Jews need to do. Uh, he tells them to fast and to not drink or eat for three days or nights, and um, they, they did all this fasting thing. But none of the people, none of the commands of the queen was to go and pray to their god. Uh, and you will notice that this is sometimes a man's respond. You know, especially in a, in a culture without God, uh, they t- people can do religious-like things without God. People would sometimes do seemingly outwardly religious things without God. You know, those people say, oh, we need to meditate and, and clear our minds, or we need to lift our thoughts up to our, our friends and family or whatever. Um, but these things are, um, you know, they seem religious, but they are devoid of truth. They're devoid of the one true God. 
you see that even with the Jews here, they have no intent on in, in going to God, uh, and they have no desire, um, really, like they want to survive, but they didn't really need God. They didn't really feel the, the pull to, to, to seek after the Lord. And again, this is the example of Israel uh, in their unfaithfulness. Remember, they're in exile at this point. The reason why they are in exile is mainly because of their unfaithfulness to the Lord. They didn't trust the Lord in the past. They didn't trust the Lord in the present. And this is a time where there's a group of people that does not trust in the Lord. But even though they don't trust in God, God is still quietly working through their actions. Uh, again, this, uh, when we look at our life, we ask ourselves the same question who do we run to when we are afraid? And how often do we run to that person? I've said this a lot of times, and it's um, that we go, whatever whatever we run to first shows us what we trust most. Again, this isn't to say that Christians can't mourn or get scared. Uh, but rather, who do we cry to? Who do we, who do we go to? Um, especially in a time now when we are really distant from our physical friends and church family, uh, sometimes we think the reason why we're stumbling in sin is because we don't have that accountability anymore, or we don't have those people in our lives. And although that's true, and yes, fellowship is a means of grace, uh, you have to understand that's not the only means of grace in your life. You have the, the Word of God, you have prayer. These are two of, uh, like, there are three means of grace, and those are the three, and you have two out of the three. Just because you don't have one, that means that you have to strengthen the other two. And you understand that this is not the first time that Christians are isolated. Um, if you look at the Apostle uh, Paul, he's been chained to a, a Roman centurion uh, before, and before he was saved, I would imagine he was just by himself. Uh, the Apostle John was also isolated at the island of Patmos, and, the, and he wrote the book of Revelation. You know, these are a lot of faithful individuals in the past who's been alone, but yet had never lost their joy because they found joy in their relationship with Christ. Um, I've been uh, encouraged and even ch- I've been encouraging other people and even uh, reminding myself that Christianity is not tied to any other individual except the Lord. If you find that you're struggling with Christianity, and you're like, oh, I can't, I need to deny the faith now that, now that I'm away from the church, it actually reveals to, it should reveal to yourself that your Christianity is not based on Christ, rather it's based on the people that profess Christ. Um, I think this is a great time for us to test and to see where you place your true trust in, and where you place your trust in. Um, and this is what's going on here in the text. Like you can see that the Mordecai, like, trusted the political means of Esther, and it's so funny that Esther tells him that she, there's nothing that she can do. Uh, she goes, uh, tells that eunuch, uh, hey, go tell uh, Esther that she's going to die. And then Esther reminds him that, like, look, there are things that I cannot do. I can't go up to the uh, king uh, because that's just not the way the law works. And it's interesting that both of them, both Mordecai and the queen, uh, they just they did all that they can under the law. And they did what was right. And even then, even these non-believers, even though they, they were not seeking after the Lord, the Lord still honored it by protecting everyone. Um, they just acted. They they acted normally. They did the. They went through the right channels. They did all that they can. Uh, that was right in the eyes of the government. So that and God still honored them by protecting them. Mordecai and Esther did what they needed, and even though they had no clue what God was going to 
do, God's plan was ultimately fulfilled. And this should remind us, especially if you read through the, if you know this book, you know what's going to happen. Every time we see man's providence, I mean, God's or man's responsibility in light of God's sovereignty or providence and sovereignty, it should really encourage us. It should really encourage us to know that our God is good no matter how bleak the situation is in the moment. Um, this story, as well as every other story in the Bible, is ultimately, it shows God's sovereignty through the providence of his people or the people in the in the in the stories right every single time like what's seemingly random and serendipitous is actually something that god uses to fulfill his goal his, his ultimate plan i remember a few years ago i had a friend that uh when i was still at grace church he uh he told me he was like really interested interest in this girl and he and i were in different bible studies and he was sharing how uh, this girl who was interested in it, he gave me the most non-grace church answer ever. He, I was like, so why, why are you interested in her? And he just said, oh, it's because we're the same ethnicity, and I think she's cute, which is, again, the most non-grace church answer, because well, the grace church answer is like, oh, she's godly, she's small group leader, la, 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 all the things that just, like, basically just try to recite Proverbs 31 to me. But he said, yeah, those are secondary. Those things were there, too, but he, he really found her to be attractive. I said, all right, man, go for it. So he tries to ask her out. It didn't work out. He's all it's like sad and everything. Like a year later, uh, they both moved to the same city. It was just kind of randomly they moved to the same city. And uh, he told me, he messaged me, he's like, hey, man, uh, she's in town, and I'm going to ask her out again. I'm going to try to get to know her again, and I'm going to see if, or if this works. This is God's way of letting this happen. And I was like, oh, yeah, true, yeah, you guys are in this city together you might as well try it you have nothing to lose so like you know after praying for him and later that night i asked hey, how'd it go and he like hey man, we gotta talk and we call he called me he was like dude she denied the faith and i was like what and he's like yeah man she was like the small group leader a year ago she had all these small groupies she's being discipled by all these people and now she denies the word of god and I, and, I, and I saw that, and I was like, I reminded him, isn't God good that he allowed you to be rejected a year ago? Because imagine how horrible your life would be now, knowing that the person you're dating has denied their faith altogether. And I try to encourage him, even remind myself that God protects us in ways that we don't even know. God is sovereign. He cares for us in ways that we are not even aware of. And I can see, even with this whole virus situation, that God sometimes is sparing us from things that we're not even thinking about. Um, and at, least, at the bare minimum, what this virus is doing is forcing people to think about eternal things. And I wonder if some of you that are listening are really troubled because you are troubled by what's going on because you have invested all your hope in this life. Instead of trusting and looking toward eternal things, your world is crumbling around you and you may not get the, those things back. The Lord is revealing to you your idols, your heart, and showing you that your love is actually in the world and not on him and him alone. So if you are not a believer and this is a means by which you get saved, God has spared you by using this trial, this coronavirus, to show you the need of a savior. This is why I mean that in every situation in life, we can, as we just live out our lives in just a normal daily life, um, we can trust in God's sovereignty. And when I say when I say about providence and sovereignty, sometimes we look back and we see how God is good in every circumstance. So that's my encouragement for us today. Uh, as we look at, if we see these characters, they're just 
seemingly living out their lives, not knowing what's going to happen next. Again, this is a time where they have no clue that they're going to live a year from now, right? Esther and Mordecai had this edict saying that a year from now you're going to die. But they they had no assurance that a chapter uh, that chapter five would happen, that chapter six, that chapter seven, all the way to the end of the book. They just did whatever they could by the and just lived out their lives, and God protected them even though they didn't even know it. And they, at the end of this book, you know that they didn't even give glory to God. They made a day to celebrate um, uh, this whole event, but it is not because of a uh, necessarily giving tribute to God. Rather, in fact, he's never named. But they just say like, "Oh, look at how Esther and Mordecai and what they did to preserve the Jews." So, uh, with that said, uh, that's where we're going to go stop for today. And tomorrow we're going to look at um, man's finiteness and God's infinitude and how. Understanding those two extremes will give us a greater assurance and hope in the Lord. Okay, I will see you guys tomorrow.